following Christ is a scary thing. And sometimes we look at it as a negative thing. It's something we have to do. Can I give you one of the greatest benefits this morning of following Christ? When you follow Christ, you are with him and he is with you. And you think about that good shepherd in Psalms 23 that he goes before the sheep, he has the rod, he has the staff, he searches out the green pastures and the still waters, and that doesn't sound like too bad of a deal to me, does it? To you? I mean, my soul following Christ, you say, well, what if he leads me to South America to be a missionary? I, I pick South America because we always pick Africa. Uh, let's pick on South America for a little while. What if he calls me to Antarctica or what if he calls me to give up my lifelong dream and my hopes and my ambitions and I have to follow him uh, by faith not knowing what tomorrow will bring? Well, yes, that's frightening. The good news is you're with him and he is with you and he goes before you. And boy, what a blessing that is this morning to know that we don't just have a shepherd. The Bible says his name is the good shepherd, amen, and we can trust him and we can follow him and I'm thankful this morning that it's through him we can be saved and have that constant companion through this life. I'm going to do things a little different today. I want you to take out your Bibles and I want you to turn to the table of contents, if you don't mind. All right? Are they inspired? I'm not sure about that. We're going to have to have a debate on that. The table of contents are inspired. And I want you to look under the books of the Old Testament. Nobody get there. That'll be an easy one to find. And I want you to look down until you find the book of Amos. Look across the page and find the number and turn to that number. <laughs> you say, why did you do that? Well, there's nothing more embarrassing than not knowing where we're going. And old Amos hides out from us sometimes, doesn't he? I'll tell you, even for pastors sometimes, you're trying to sing the song in your head, Genesis, and you're trying to find the book. But you feel like everybody's looking at you when you're looking at some of those minor prophets in the Old Testament. Where in the world is Amos? Well, at least this morning, we all look like we know what we're doing, right? Amos chapter number 6. If you're there, let's stand together, if you can, in honor of the reading of God's word. Amos chapter number 6. Maybe we should get our elementary Sunday school teachers to come up and help us learn the song again that sometimes are hard to find, right? Amos chapter number 6, we're going to skip, so I want you to read along with me. I'll, I'll begin, and then you follow along. I'll let you know which ones we're going to skip to uh, so that we're not taking all the time reading all the chapter. Verse 1, the Bible says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, and trust in the mountains of, the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. We look down, the Bible says in verse 5, that chant to the sound of the viol and invent to themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Verse 8, the Bible says, the Lord God hath sworn by himself, saith the Lord God of hosts, I abhor the excellency of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore will I deliver up the city with all that is therein. Verse 13, ye which rejoice in a thing of naught, which say, have we not taken to us horns by our own strength. Verse 14 sums it up, but behold, I will raise up against you a nation. O house of Israel, saith the Lord, the God of hosts, and they shall afflict you from the entering in of Hemath unto the river of the wilderness. Let's pray and we'll begin to unfold this this morning. Father, I thank you for your word and Lord, I thank you for the preacher, Amos. Thank you, Father, for how you used him. And Lord, how wonderful it would be if you'd use us this morning in a way as pleasing to you as Lord Amos speaking the truth. Help me, Lord, be a hearer as well as I speak. And I pray that, Lord, you'd bring the truth of what is happening here to light to us right here in America in 2023. That, Father, even though we are not Israel, Father, we uh, have you as the same God. And, Father, you are faithful and just and Father, the justice by which you have rendered to others, you preserved in this book for us to see that you will, Lord, render justice to us one day and to our lives and our families and our homes. And I pray that, Lord, we learn this morning from the mistakes of these people. Help us, Lord, if there's one lost today, I pray that they would see their need to be saved. And for the saved, help us be challenged before we leave here today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amos is not necessarily a prominent 
prophet, if you will. Matter of fact, he even says, when you read a little bit about him, that he's not even himself, he doesn't consider himself a prophet. But the more you learn about Amos, the more you realize his importance uh, and the important message that Amos had that God had given them to give to his people. Uh, When we call him a minor prophet, it doesn't mean he is minor in his message. I assure you of that. He's not minor in his significance, maybe just minor in the brief amount of work that he had. I couldn't help but get tickled a little bit, to be honest with you. You may not have already thought of this, but I did. Uh, You know, they're called minor prophets because the brief work that they worked, it was a minor window that they worked in. And I thought to myself, well, if that's the case, then I'm definitely not a minor preacher, right? Because I don't work in a brief window. I work in more. I could be called a major preacher, right? Because I definitely work uh, in an extended amount of time. As you begin reading about Amos, and I'm going to give you a little background so you'll understand this man. I, I, the more I read about him, the more I, I love him. When you begin reading about Amos, you realize his qualifications were somewhat lacking. Uh, Amos was not necessarily educated, he was not eloquent, and he did not have the experience that some of the other prophets had, and yet you notice that he boldly proclaimed the message that God had given him. Uh, You read about him, you'll find out his background was very simple. He was from a simple area, an off-the-beaten-path city. He said, I'm not a prophet. He would go on to say, I'm not even the son of a prophet. He was a shepherd, and by trade, the Bible says he was a fig picker. That's what he did. He picked the sycamore figs. That was the background that he had in his life. But aren't you glad that God can even use a fig picker to honor and glorify him and be able to get his message out? What does the Word of God tell us in 1 Corinthians 1? It says, he has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things to confound those that are mighty. Uh, Do not discount yourself this morning as someone of uh, a menial means and background. God can use that. Uh, You may not be a fig picker. You may not be a shepherd, but God can use you. And God can use you to honor and glorify him and to get his message out, just as he did with Amos. What did Amos have going for him? Well, you'll find out really the only thing he had going for him was God gave him a message and God gave him a burden. I don't discount that this morning. He may have had the experience and the education and the eloquence as some of the prophets we know of better, but Amos had something that God had given him and something that God had placed inside of him, and that was a message and a burden to preach the message. And if you've ever preached or taught or shared something from the Word of God, you can attest this morning, there's nothing greater than when God puts something in the mailbox of your heart and gives you a burden to share that. Maybe this morning you're a born-again child of God and you're burdened for the lost and you may not be the greatest soul winner, you may not have all the right words to say, but thanks be to God, there's a burden in there for people and you want to see people saved and sometimes that burden is heavy, but thank God for burdens, amen, that Almighty God in heaven chooses to choose mankind for His glory and to get His message out. The word Amos is uh, simple. You look it up, it means burden or burden bearer. Amos carried the burden of the will of God to preach the coming judgment that God was about to render upon his people. Now, I'll be honest with you, that is not necessarily something that you would get excited about. Uh, I wish that sometimes I could be more like some of the guys on television who get to preach about the name it and claim it. And how your best life is the one you're living right now. Look, if you're saved, this is the worst life you will ever live. The best life you will ever live is on the other side of this one. In glory where there is no darkness, no death, no heartache and no pain. There is no grief, there is no strife there. That's the best life you will ever live. But boy, it'd be nice if all we got to tell people was, look, things are going to get better. Things are going to be okay. Smile and be happy. Can I tell you, sometimes the message God gives us is one of judgment. Now, here's what's interesting. When you begin looking at the audience that Amos was speaking to, this was not people that were bound in captivity. This was not people who were struggling to get out of the bondage of a foreign country. As a matter of fact, Amos was preaching to people that we would call blessed. You look at what they were, matter of fact, you look down at verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and you read about the blessings that they had in their life. Verse 4, the beds of ivory. The Bible goes on to say that they take the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. They chant. There was singing. There was blessing. If they were going up and down the roads today, they would have that license plate. I'm sure you've seen it that says blessed. 
You ever seen it? And if you have one, nothing against that, okay? Usually I see it on Cadillacs and Mercedes. Blessed. I don't know that I've ever seen the blessed license plate on an Oldsmobile. I don't think I have. Or maybe it was on a Yugo or, or maybe a Gremlin. I don't think I've ever seen that on that. It's usually a Cadillac or a Mercedes. But can I tell you something this morning? If you are saved, <clears throat> you ought to have that on your car because you're blessed. No matter what you drive, where you live, you are blessed. God has allowed us to be in this wonderful country where we can come and be in church and have a copy of the Word of God. We are indeed blessed people. And yet these people were taking advantage of their blessings. These people began to depend upon their blessings and ignore the God that gave them the blessings and ignore the God that had caused them to prosper. Can I tell you, it's a dangerous place when you begin to honor and glorify the creature more than the creator. And begin to call yourself the recipient of something that you have done and something that you have brought to yourself by your own power. So here comes Amos. I want to show you what his message was. Turn back to chapter 4, verse 12. Watch what his message is. Amos chapter 4, verse 12. Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel... And because I will do this unto thee, watch this, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Here's what's going on. Amos has been called of God to go and deliver a message that none of us really want to hear this morning. And they didn't want to hear it either, but the message was judgment is coming. And he says, prepare to meet thy God. He says, listen, God is coming. You're on a train track and he's bearing down on you. You are not ready. You are not prepared and judgment is coming. And God sent Amos to preach a message of getting ready for the judgment that was heading their way. Can I tell you today, I don't know of any message that's better for both the lost or saved than prepare to meet thy God. That he's coming. There's nothing we can do to slow it down, to change it or stop it. That we are going to meet God. Whether you are lost or saved, you will meet God. And he is on his way to meet you. And the question this morning is, are we prepared? Are we prepared? I'm afraid this morning that we are much like the people in chapter number 6. We are a blessed people. We are a prosperous people. We are a people that God has done so much for. And yet we have now put all of our eggs in one basket thinking that we somehow had a part in that. That we are the ones who have blessed ourselves. And we are the ones who have done these things for ourselves. And I hate to tell you, it was not of us. It was by God's grace that was shed on this dear country that we are who we are today. And yet I believe today that we stand on a journey toward judgment this morning. I believe we're on our way there. Amos tells the people, prepare to meet thy God. And he begins outlining for them in chapter number 6. There's probably 12 points. Now don't let that scare you. I'm not going to give you 12, okay? You're like, you're going to be a major, major preacher today, right? You're not going to operate in a small window. No, Uh, I'm going to try to be a minor preacher today, okay? But there's some things in chapter number 6 that... Uh, Amos begins to share with these people that shows them the steps that they are taking toward judgment. This morning, I want to share a simple thought with you, the journey toward judgment. This morning, all of us are on our way toward a judgment, whether we realize it or not. In our own personal lives, in our families, our personal accountability to God, but then as a church and then as a nation, we are on our way to judgment. And the word of God, watch this, even though it's harsh, And even though we don't want to hear the steps that we have taken toward the judgment of God, we need to hear it this morning. We need to know where we stand before God. God wants you to be prepared. There's no way out of it. You're going to meet him. You're going to meet him. You're going to stand before him. You're going to look upon him. We're going to fall to our face before him. Judgment is coming for this country. Judgment is coming for all of us this morning. And the only thing we can do is prepare for it. This morning, I'm going to show you four things in chapter number six that I believe will show us whether or not we are headed toward a judgment that we do not want to receive. And I want you to go ahead and jump right in in verse one. I'm going to spell it out for you. The Bible says, woe to them that are in ease in Zion. Now, can I tell you that word woe is a little bit more strong than the word we use with riding horses. I have not ridden a horse in a long time. Uh, John Wayne made it look easy, didn't he? I mean, you're watching those guys, and they're just running and riding through there, and it looks awful easy. The last time I got on a horse, I was terrified, terrified. I mean, it didn't want to listen to me. I was trying to turn it, and look, I was about to pull the bit through the horse's head. 
whoa, whoa. My buddy was laughing at me the whole time. It's great to have good Christian friends. I'll remind you of that in your life. Whoa, meaning stop. Can I tell you, it means a lot more to that than to God. When God says, whoa, he is saying, alas, halt, I'm grieved. That's what God is saying. And when he says, woe to them that are at ease in Zion, he's letting them know that their sin is grieving him. Can I tell you, I know we've gotten used to it. You know, there's all kind of new sins out there in our world that are, that are new to us and the transgender world and all of the gender fluidity that's going on. And we think that's weird and that's odd. And yes, it is weird. And yes, it's an abomination. But the problem is, watch this, we've gotten used to adultery. We've gotten used to it. We've gotten used to fornication, we've gotten used to pornography, we've gotten used to foul language, we've gotten used to all of that. But can I tell you something? God still hasn't gotten used to it. God still calls it sin, and God is going to judge that. And to this day, God looks at America, and God's saying, whoa, whoa, you're on a journey toward judgment this morning. Now, anytime you see a whoa, you need to find out the why, okay? All right? Good rule of life. Every time you read your Bible, anytime you see a woe, find the why. Why? Because the woe to them is a woe to you and I as well. It's like at Walmart. Uh, I was going out at Walmart the other day, and i got to be honest with you, I've never stolen anything from Walmart, okay? Some of you are looking surprised. That's frightening. Boy, you just quench the spirit right there. I've never stolen anything from Walmart, but that buzzer has gone off on me a few times. Anybody else bear witness with that? All right, some thieves in here too. All right. I'm in a den of thieves this morning. Yeah, misery loves company. Thank the Lord you're here. It makes me feel more comfortable. And I'll be honest, there are times I'm walking out of Walmart and you're walking between those two scanners, you know, and I'm just bracing for it. Anybody else do that? Okay, I do it. You're bracing, you're waiting for it to go off. Because think, you know, there's some of you that love to see that thing go off on me. I saw the preacher, man, beep, 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 beep. You know, he was stealing this, going out the door, and I brace for it. Now, They've gotten to the place, or at least the Walmarts that I go to, when the thing goes off, they don't pay attention to it anymore. They just keep going. Now, some of you are like, light bulb, don't. Like, they're not even going to pay attention to that. You walk right up, beep, 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 I'll just keep on going. And you got four uh, DVD players on your way walking out of there. Shame on you for that. Can I tell you, God doesn't ignore the beeps. When we violate and we transgress and we trespass the will and the word of God, it still matters to God. And God says, whoa. God says you've made a mistake. God says you're taking the steps on the journey toward judgment. Now, what was the woe that he was talking about? Woe is he, watch this, or woe is them that are at ease in Zion. Now, this is an important one, folks. On the journey to judgment, there's an important step. If you're not careful, you'll take it quicker than anything. Notice their comfort was their main concern. Their comfort was their main concern. A sure sign that you're on the journey to judgment is when you're more concerned about your comfort than you are concerned about your condition. Now let that sink in for a moment. One sure sign that you're on the journey to judgment and you're on your way to a cruel judgment. I mean, you're on your way to a heartbreaking judgment before God is when we put our personal comfort ahead of our personal condition, meaning how I feel matters more than what I need in my life. Now, if you've had children here this morning, I think we could all relate to this. If we ask them what they want to eat, uh, they'll probably tell us something not good for them. Well, I want this, and I like this, and uh, we all know things that our kids like, candy, or maybe it's uh, some type of a cake or something. It's rare that they say, boy, I'd just love to have some celery. Man, I, mom and dad, you got any more of that cauliflower? My soul. I mean, that cauliflower pizza crust is way better than the regular pizza crust. Don't ever say that, all right? I don't know if we could be friends if you ever said that. Why? We, we don't want the things we need. We like what we like. We like what feels good. We like what makes us uh, feel good on the inside. And if you're not careful, you'll think that way spiritually. Watch this, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. They were on their way to judgment because they had gotten to the place where how they felt took priority of what they were going to face. They're going to face God's judgment. I mean, you're going to stand before Almighty God. God's going to bring the judgment on this place. God's about to bring the whole house down. And all that you're concerned with is how you feel. That's why he says, woe. 
Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. The other day I was at a doctor's office and getting some labs run. And I'm sitting there in the chair. And I'll be honest with you, I just don't like getting poked. I don't. I just don't enjoy that, you know. And I'm sitting there in the chair, and it's like execution. You know, first they put that little bar over, so now you can't escape. And then they start putting that rubber band around your arms so your veins are poking out. Really good. And And then the worst part is the alcohol swab, because that's the last part before you get stuck. And so I'm sitting there, and she says, all right, we're going to run this lab, this ABC lab and this CDC lab. I declare, she said, KFC on one of them. I'm like, yes, you're going to find some chicken in there somewhere. I'm, all of this, can I tell you the only thing I can think about? I said, is this going to hurt? Is this going to hurt? How big of a needle is this going to be? And I got to tell you, man, she did a great job. You nurses who know how to take blood without hurting people, God bless you. Thank the Lord for that. I wasn't concerned about the test. I wasn't concerned about uh, all of the results and what they were going to do and all of that. The only thing that I was concerned about was how bad it was going to hurt. You see, comfort takes so much of a preeminence in our life that oftentimes, if you're not careful, it'll dictate how you live your life rather than your convictions. We're living in a country today, folks. Listen to me. Our comfort dictates more of our life than we realize, and our convictions dictate far less than we think. We live by our comfort. We live what makes us at ease. As a matter of fact, how many of you have ever heard of the easy button, right? I'm still waiting on mine to come in the mail. I think it's lost in that supply chain somewhere, you know? Wouldn't it be nice if there was an easy button? Every morning you wake up and you're looking at your kids and you got to get them ready for school and homework's not done. Bologna sandwiches aren't made. Wouldn't it be nice? Hit the easy button. Hot pockets. That's the easy button. Just hit that hot pocket right there. Would it be nice that maybe you're having a marital struggle where the wife doesn't want to go eat at Longhorn and you want to go eat at Longhorn and there's tension and struggle? Just hit the easy button. Make the stress go away. Wouldn't that be great? There's not an easy button. But if you're not careful as a Christian, you'll begin to live your life by what is easy. Look at the root word of the word easy. It's the word ease. What did he say about ease in verse 1? Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Here's what he said. Amos says, you guys are more worried about your comfort than what is coming. And what is coming is judgment. Can I tell you, if you live the rest of this life in discomfort, trying to do the will of God, it would be worth every moment you invested as long as you were prepared to meet God. But here's our problem. We're not going to be prepared to meet God because all we're worried about is our comfort and our ease. That's all we're worried about. What makes life easy and what makes life enjoyable. Now think about it this way this morning if you would. If you're not careful, your comfort will become the compass of your life. What does that mean? It means you will begin making decisions on the direction of your life by what is comfortable. Now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I I love comfort. I really do. Uh, I have a certain pillow that I like. I just went and bought a brand new mattress. That shows you I'm getting old. Bought a brand new mattress. I tried every one of them things out. I got it in my house. I've got a pillow. I like I like a blanket. There's a certain blanket that I like. Our house is covered in blankets. We have 40 teenagers at our house Sunday night, and everybody wants a blanket. We're passing out blankets. We got just about one for everybody there. But there's only certain blankets that I like. Why they make five-foot-tall blankets, I don't know. You know, I want the blanket up to my neck. If it's up to my neck, it won't cover my feet. I hate for my feet to be uncovered. I mean, I could tell you all about my quirks about being comfortable, and you'd be surprised at how many quirks you have about being comfortable. I like to put my sugar in the coffee cup before I pour the coffee in. I don't like it backwards. I don't put the cream until after I stirred. I do the same thing every day. You're like, you have a sad life. Hey, it works for me. 43 years, you know, I'm still here. I have things that I like, I have things that I want, I have areas of comfort that I have in my life. If you're not careful, you'll begin living your life by your comfort rather than what's coming. What's coming? The judgment of God? It's real. We talk about Jesus coming back and we're excited about Jesus coming back. I'm looking forward to Jesus coming back. I really am. But after he comes back, do you know there's something coming after that? It's called the judgment. And we're going to affect that judgment then by how we live now. That's why we cannot afford to live by our comforts. He says, woe to them, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Their comfort was their main concern. 
I want you to think about the children of Israel. Oh my goodness. They had a compass on their way to the promised land. And then as soon as things got uncomfortable, as soon as things got uncomfortable, what do they do? It would be better if we go back to Egypt. Comfort dictated their course. Comfort. This is uncomfortable. I mean, good night. We were eating this manna all the time. Couldn't we get some meat? I mean, good night. I mean, those armies are bigger and stronger than us. The ten spies. What determined their direction? What determined it? It wasn't easy. The ten spies come out and they say, hey, fellas, uh, there's a lot of those guys over there, and there's just a few of us guys over here, you know, and they're trained soldiers. You know what? This is not going to be easy. If you're not careful this morning, you're going to let ease determine the course of your life, and you're not going to be what? Chapter 4, verse 12, prepared to meet thy God. Number one, the journey to judgment. Well, an easy sign is your comfort is your main concern. My dad would take me as a kid, I think I mentioned this last week, to hear some of the older preachers that are in heaven now. Dr. Lee Robertson said something I, I remember clearly but understand it more now that I'm older. Dr. Lee Robinson says, Lee Robertson says, we are laughing our way to hell as a nation. We are laughing our way to hell. See, what do you mean by that? Well, as long as we're comfortable and we're entertained. Matter of fact, just follow along with me. Tell me this doesn't sound like our country, okay? Look down to verse 3. You put, put far away the evil day and cause the seat of violence to come near that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall that chant to the sound of the viol and invent to themselves instruments of music like David that drink wine in bowls. They're living it up. They're enjoying themselves. They're having a good old time. Little do they know they are slowly marching down the road on the journey toward judgment, and they're not going to be prepared to meet God. Here in America, that's what we're doing, folks. We're laughing our way to hell. The church that finds the Lord, uh, when the Lord comes back, the church that he will find, this Laodicean church, I want to read you something, and I want you to let it sink in for a moment. This was a church that was well acquainted with comfort, but I want you to listen to what they say in verse 17 of chapter 3. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Stop. You know what they're saying? We're comfortable. We're comfortable. I'm afraid we've gotten to the place to where if it's comfortable, then we're willing to just be complacent. Not knowing what's coming. It's the judgment of God. And I want you to see something, just in case you think America's too big to fall. I want you to look at verse 2. Pass you unto Kalaneth, and see, and go thence unto Hamath the great. Then go down unto Gath, the Philistines. Be they, better than these king- be they better than these kingdoms, or their border greater than your border? Here's what he's saying. You're not too big to fall. I'll bring you down just like I brought them down. I told somebody the other day, we go visit the ruins of Rome. Why? Because they were brought down. They got a little too big for their britches. Can I tell you this morning, having it good isn't the same as having God. Could we say verse 1 through verse number 6, they had it good? Had it good? If you're not careful, you will equate the good times to the God times. But I hate to tell you, that's not true. Wait a minute. Here we are, we're eating the lambs and the calves. We're drinking wine out of bowls on beds of ivory. Surely that everything is good, everything is of God. I hate to tell you that, but that's not how this Bible teaches or preaches. We're in America. I mean, surely we're the blessed superpower in the world. There's no way we could fall. I mean, my goodness, we, have, we look at all that we have, the intelligence and all. No, it doesn't matter. We're not too big to fall. When we get to the place where our comfort is our main concern, we've taken one of the first steps toward judgment. There's a city not far from here. You go south on 59, you'll get there, or you'll run into the ocean. It's called New Orleans. Uh, I like to go visit. My wife is a chicken, all right? 
She's scared of it down there. I took her down to Cafe Du Monde. By the way, men, if you ever take your wife to Cafe Du Monde as a surprise, make sure she's not wearing black uh, because that powdered sugar makes a mess. Didn't think about that. She says, why didn't you tell me? Ooh, powdered sugar everywhere. And so uh, we'll go down to New Orleans and go down to Cafe Du Monde for some beignets. And those are definitely not keto, but we splurge every once in a while and get some coffee. And I say, hey, let's go walk around the square. And she's like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, there's weirdos here, there's weirdos in Hattie's, we got weirdos in our church, right? I mean, there's weirdos everywhere. <laughs> I'd love to know who you're thinking about. Anyway, it's the pastor. We're down there and, and we're walking arm in arm, okay, arm in arm. And it's not a romantic arm in arm. It is a like, if, I, if they get me, they're getting you, <laughs> you know. They're not getting one without the other. And so we're walking around. And of course, there's people on the side, and they're trying to sell you stuff, voodoo dolls, all this stuff. It is there. And the further we walk, the more the clamp goes down. I mean, she is clamping down. And I looked up, and there's a big sign there in New Orleans. And it says, the big easy. The big easy. Last night when I was, I was sitting down preparing to preach, preparing this to preach, I couldn't help but think about that. Yep, that's a city that looks like they took the easy way. You just look at it. I think just last year, weren't they rated per capita one of the number one, number two most populated cities for murder in the country? What happened? It's the big easy. You think that the, the ease and the comfort, that's going to lead me to something good. Oh, no, not at all. Ease and comfort, if you're not careful, they will lie to you and deceive you and lead you all the way to the doorstep of the judgment of God unprepared. Number one this morning. The journey to judgment begins with, notice their comfort was their main concern. I'm afraid we've taken the easy way in building our homes. What's the easy way? Just let them do what they want. You see these, so many people that are just defiant of our public authorities and our law enforcement. Do you know where that came from? Kids who are defiant of the authority in the home. That's where that came from. They didn't, listen, they weren't just good godly kids and one day they decided to hate the authorities out there. No, no, it was young people who, the Bible says, the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. That's the word of God. That's not me. Now watch. It's the easy way to leave the kid alone. Hey, I'm just going to let you do what you want, let you have what you want. I'm going to appease you and make you comfortable. Can I tell you what you've done? You've near about destroyed them. Why? Because it is work, it is hard, it is grievous to train up a child in the way they should go. But watch this, as you train them, you're preparing them to meet their God. One day that's the ultimate goal. That we don't just turn out good moms and dads and doctors and firemen and preachers. Know that we're preparing our children to meet God. And can I tell you, I love you guys, alright. But their comfort cannot be our greatest concern. As a pastor, there are times where the comfort of the congregation wants to be your greatest concern. I feel it. Trust me. I feel it. Folks, don't smile. I feel it. And oh, you want to say things that makes everybody comfortable. But can I tell you, I'll promise you, Amos made some folks uncomfortable. But Amos was getting people prepared to meet their God. And folks, if you don't understand this morning that when our feelings and our comfort guides our compass, we're on our way to being Judged by God and God bringing it all down. So number one, their comfort was their main concern. Let's hurry, okay? Let's hurry. Look down, if you will, to verse number three. The Bible says, ye that put far away the evil day and caused the sea of violence to come near. Now, th this is amazing. Look how much comfort distorted their thinking. Comfort can distort our thinking. Agreed? Wanting to be comfortable. I mean, I've showed you before the border of the Mississippi River. It's like down there. It looks like a border of Mississippi, doesn't it? <laughs> All the way down. You know, Montana's just square. Colorado's just so nice and square, and you got Mississippi all the way down the side. Do you know why the river's shaped that way? It took the path of least resistance. I believe so many of our lives look like that because we took the path of ease. Now, watch how much ease distorted their thinking, okay? Ye that put far away the evil day. So rather than recognize that their comfort had intoxicated them, the Bible says the judgment that's coming, here's what they did. Ye that put far away the evil day. You know, I don't like bad news, do you? If you like bad news, I will send you mine. 
How about that? You ever been having a good day? The other day I took Leslie up to the Mercantile Laurel. I've never been there. And uh, Brother Zach was bragging on this uh, detergent that you bought up there at the Mercantile. And I'm like, well, if, if a man's bragging on detergent, it must be good. And what's that called? Buff, buff soap or something like that? Buff City soap. Okay, I knew he would know. Buff City soap. And so me and Leslie went up there to get some. And uh, we're walking around just having a good old day. You ever got a text message and you're not sure when you open it if it's going to be a good news or a bad news? Are you with me? And so I stood there. In, in the Buff City soap, Buff City, what's your favorite flavor? No, I'm picking. So I looked down there, and I tried to decide, do I open it or not? You ever do that? Or maybe you're a better Christian. I don't know. I didn't want to hear if it was bad news. I wanted to hear good news. I didn't want to hear if it was any bad news. You know what that's called? It's verse 3. You put far away the evil day. Even though you know that, hey, this may not be good, you push it away even though you need to hear it. Now, this is important this morning. They chose to ignore what was coming. You've put it away. You've pushed it down the road. You've kicked the can. Here's what Amos says. You're heading on a journey to judgment. You're on a journey to judgment. And the second step that they could know that was this. They chose to ignore God's instruction. They chose to ignore God's instruction. You know one of the easiest ways, and boy, I'm fixing to hit, hit in my backyard. One of the easiest ways to disobey, it's very, very simple. It's deciding to do it later. It's one of the easiest ways to disobey. Why? Well, deciding to do it later is not saying no, right? I didn't say I wasn't going to do it. I just said, you know what, I'm going to push it down the road and do it later. The Bible says they put far away the evil day. We use the phrase kicking the can. Anytime I use an illustration, I like to look it up, see where it came from. And as far as I can tell, kicking the can originated just by some kids kicking the can. Not a great story to go behind it. But it was a very popular game during the Depression because, watch this, it was cheap and you could play it by yourself. All right? I mean, all you had to have was a can. All you had to have something to kick. And the goal was you just kept kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road. And we use that analogy day to mean, you know what, I'm postponing something I need to do. I'm going to kick the can further down the road. Now, if you're not careful, you'll become a professional can kicker. Right? There are times I'm really good at it. I'm going to kick that can down the road. I'll come to that can later. And we think to ourselves, you know what? It requires very little effort and very little cost. Up front. Up front. What it will cost you is down the road when you get down to the judgment, unprepared to meet your God, and there stands the stack of cans that we've been kicking down the road for too long. How do you know you're on the journey to judgment? Watch. Choose to ignore God's instruction. Think about Pharaoh, if you would, this morning. Pharaoh kept kicking the can of obedience down the road. I know what God said. I mean, he had Moses stand in front of him and tell him what he needed to do. Pharaoh said, I'm going to kick that can down the road. He kicked it ten times until one day it ultimately cost him dearly. Could it be this morning, watch, that your comfort has intoxicated you to the point to where you are failing to pick up that can of obedience and do the will of God. Could I just encourage you, do not ignore God's instruction. We have services three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, 5 o'clock tonight. I look forward to seeing everybody back, 5 o'clock tonight. Amen. Looking forward to seeing you here. And we have a service and an invitation time. We have the altar. And we have an opportunity to be obedient to the will of God, whatever it is. And how often do we walk out of those doors and kick the can down the road? Can I tell you, a day's coming like Pharaoh, where all of a sudden, all of the kicking of the cans and postponing, in verse 3, putting far away the evil day, is going to come back on us. Are you kicking the can of obedience this morning? I wonder if you're like Cain. Mm. Cain kept messing up. God says, I'll give you another chance. Cain messed up. God says, I'm going to give you another chance. God says, I'm going to give you a chance. Repent, Cain. Repent, Cain. Cain said, I'm going to kick that can down the road. I'm going to kick that can down the road. Can I tell you, Cain was not prepared for what that can was going to cost him. Are you kicking the can of repentance down the road? Maybe you're saved. Maybe this morning God's calling you to something and you're kicking the can. Can I tell you, you're on the journey to judgment when we kick that can of obedience and submission down the road. Matthew Henry said it this way. Those who try to put the evil day far from them Find it nearest to them. What does that mean? 
That means don't ignore God's instruction. If you know what God wants, don't kick that can down the road. Why? Because you're going to be just like these people, unprepared for your God. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee. It's so easy at the end of a service. You know, it's 12.06 right now in case you're wondering. And we'll get done here in a few minutes, you know. Invitation time. It's time to go get something to eat. I'm going to kick that can down the road. And next Sunday we kick that can down the road. Whether it's obedience, whether it's submission, whether it's repentance. Hey, maybe even salvation. There's a rich man in hell this morning who kept kicking that can, kicking that can, and kicking that can, and ignoring the instruction that God wanted him to spend forever in heaven with him, and he kicked it down the road until one day he kicked it over the cliff straight into hell. Folks, I beg you this morning, listen to me. Do not ignore God's instruction when we know what God wants from us. Don't do what verse 3 says. Put far away the devil, the evil day. I'm just going to push it down the road. In my office, I have a little piece of wood. Matter of fact, I got it at Axel's birthday. It's called a round to it. Folks that are probably over 40 get that one. And then if you have parents uh, that maybe have one, maybe you're younger, maybe you've seen one before. And it's a little piece of wood with the letters T-U-I-T on it. Anybody ever heard of one? Round to it. My great-grandfather gave me one when I was a kid. It's made of red cedar. And he says, here, here's your round to it. That way you'll always have and get a round to it. It hasn't helped me much, to be honest with you, because I just put it on the shelf in my office, and it's there, and things still don't get done. But can I tell you something? You better not wait too late to get around to it. You better not wait too late. Don't wait too late to repent. Don't wait too, wait too late to obey. Don't wait too late to submit to God. I mean, the apostle Paul is on the road to Damascus, and finally God lays him out on his back. And the only way he can look is up, and finally he submitted he kicked that can. So how do you know he was kicking the can? Because he says, it's hard for thee. It had gotten hard for him. Number two, they chose to ignore God's instruction. I read a story about a, a bald eagle on the Niagara River. And there was an animal that fell into the Niagara River way upstream. And the animal was in the, uh, in the river floating down in the middle of the winter. And the eagle looked down. And the eagle decided, you know what? I'm going to go down there and get a free meal. And flew down and landed on the carcass as it floated down the Niagara River. He's sitting there, and he's eating, and he's eating. He's getting closer and closer to the Niagara Falls that are there. But he wants to get as much as he can in his belly before he gets to the edge of the falls. And so he just keeps eating and eating, looks up, sees the falls, thinks, I've got time before I get to the edge. He kept filling his belly, filling his belly, filling his belly, and finally gets to the end. He hears the waterfall and realizes he's too close and decides to start flapping his wings and get away. But what he doesn't realize is his talons have now frozen to the body of that animal that was there, and he goes over the falls and dies. Oh, if you don't have a better picture of the United States of America. We are that bald eagle, and we have gorged ourselves and filled our belly and gotten all that we could to make us feel good and to make us feel comfortable. And we think, you know what? At the last minute, I'm going to get out of here. And then all of a sudden, we've kicked that can too far down the road. That's why Hosea 10, the Bible says, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Listen close. Break up your fallow ground. You know what fallow is? Unprepared. He says, you better get prepared. Judgment is coming. And one way you know the judgment is coming when you get to the place where you ignore God's instruction. Hurry. Look down, if you will, to verse, uh, I tell you what, let's go down to verse number uh, six. Watch what he says here. That drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with chief ointments. But here's, here's what I want you to see in verse number six. That they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. So the first two, we saw things that, that they were doing wrong. And now we see in verse 6, there's something they're not doing. That they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. The third step on the journey to judgment, watch. They didn't grieve over the things of God. They didn't grieve over the, the things of God. In the end, they were not burdened about the things God was burdened about. They are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. You know, somebody said once, you can judge a man by the things he laughs at. And I think that's true. You can judge a man's character by the things that he laughs at. But I also think you can judge a man's character by the things he cries about. Things that he cries about. I'm afraid that oftentimes we grieve over the consequence of sin. But we don't grieve over the cause of it. We grieve over the... We grieve because we got caught. I think all of us have probably been caught as a kid doing something we weren't supposed to do. And boy, you cry. Why? Because you know you're supposed to get a whooping. 
or if your parents believed in spankings, mine did, probably still do. And we cried because we got caught, not because what caused it. Do you know, I think a lot of what we're mad about in America is the consequences that we're having to live in. You know, all the violence and all the unrest and all the things going on in our world. It's the consequences of it. But we don't grieve about the cause. Do you know what the cause of all this is? It's sin. It's sin. We've gotten to the place where, yes, we don't like the high prices for gas. And, yes, we don't like all of these other things. But really, can I tell you, the cause of so many things that we're going through, it's our sin. Look, it's the judgment of God. Read your Bible. Look what God did to the nations who thought themselves a little too big for their britches. God humbled them. We are being humbled. I have no doubt in my mind the judgment of God is upon our nation. And the problem is we're complaining about, hey, how do we fix gas prices? It's not gas. We're talking about civil unrest and all of these other things. It, that's not it. we got to grieve about what the real problem is. The real problem is it's sin. And the problem is the church is not doing its job to convert sinners. We've lost our mission in what? In our comfort. Think about Noah. I'm going to hurry. I'll give you one more and we'll give you the fourth point in, in the invitation. Think about Noah. Why did Noah avoid the judgment when the rest of the world was consumed by it? Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. God was grieved over the situation. Can I tell you why, why Noah avoided the judgment of God? Because Noah was grieved by what God was grieved by. Say, how do you know that? Verse 9 says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. He was grieved about things God was grieved about. Can I ask you something just real quick? Don't answer out loud. What are you grieved about this morning? What are we grieved about? We grieve more about high gas prices, 100 degree temperatures, than we are of somebody dying and going to hell. Do the things of God grieve us? Does immorality grieve us? Does a brother overtaken in a fault, does that grieve us? It ought to grieve us. Listen, when people get off in sin and people get off and listen, with their lives being ruined and it's costing them their family, does that grieve us? It grieves God. It ought to grieve us. Listen, we are on our way on this journey to judgment because we're not worried about the things God's worried about. God's worried about lost souls. God's worried about families. God's worried about these young people. God's worried about this church. And what are we worried about this morning? Man, goodness, I wish he would shut up so we could get out of here. I'm telling you, we're on this journey to judgment this morning because we're not grieving over things God grieves over. Watch what God said in verse 6. But they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Proverbs 14, 12 spells it out. There is a way that seemeth right into a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Everything's dying around us. Why? Sin. If we get grieved over sin, I promise you, we can eventually make a difference. Number three, they didn't grieve over the things of God. And finally, I want you to go all the way down to verse 13. We'll close with this one. Ye which rejoice in a, in a thing of naught. That means you're rejoicing about something that's not real. Which say, watch this, here's what they are saying about themselves. Have we not taken to us horns by our own strength? Finally, we see the end of all of this. They've gotten to the place to where they're comfortable, and that comfort is their compass for how they're going to live. They've gotten to the place where they're enjoying their life, they're singing their songs, they're drinking their wine. They're ignoring what God said. They're not grieving about what God's grieved about. And now you see the culmination of it in verse 13 where they say this, have we not taken to us horns by our own strength? Finally, they get to a place where you know you're on this journey to judgment when your pride has now replaced your priority. Watch, watch. Have we not taken to us horns, victory, strength by our own strength? Didn't we do this? I mean, hey, look what we did. Look what we have. Look what we've become. Now pride has taken the place of their priority, which should have been God. One way that you can certainly know you're at the doorstep of the judgment of God is when you come to the place where you feel like you don't need him anymore. We did this by our own strength. 
we, we don't need God. I mean, look, look what, look what we did. We're living the way we want. We've accepted what we want. We have comfort. We have joy. We're singing. Hey, we don't need God. We've done all of this by our own strength. Can I tell you, if you are your own God this morning, the best you can do is the best you can do. The best that you will do is the best you can do. Why? Because you're your own God. You know why America's in so much trouble right now? Because we are our own God. And the best we can do for us is the best we can do. But wait a minute, watch this. This is wonderful. When God is your God, the best you can do is the best he can do. Oh, my goodness, there are times I'll sit back there in the office, get ready to come out here to preach, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't have much by way of an outline. I don't know how good I can do. Well, I can't do good at all. The best I can do is the best I can do. We're going to fall flat. But when the best I can do is the best God will do, there's no telling what he'll do. Here's our problem this morning. I'm afraid our pride in who we are and what we have and what we think has taken the place of our priority. This is not by our own strength. Psalms 28, 7, David said it this way, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song. David says, I'm singing about all that he is because he is everything and I am nothing. And with him, I can do all things through Christ. Folks, I believe we're on our way to judgment this morning. I really do. We are on a journey to judgment. Why? Because now our, our comfort, our comfort is all that matters to us. That's our concern. I want to be comfort. I want to feel good. I want to like everything that's going. Hey, I want to be comfortable. And as long as everything's comfortable, we'll be fine. We're on our way to judgment. We're ignoring God's instruction. We know. But so you know what? I'm going to take care of that later. I'm going to be obedient later. I'm going to repent later. I'm going to submit later. I'm going to get saved later. And we're kicking that can down the road. I hate to tell you this. There is a judgment coming. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, what? It's the judgment. You can't avoid it. Oh, I beg you this morning, don't kick the can down the road. Don't do verse 3 and put far away from you the evil day. It's better to confront it now while you have a chance to do something about it. Maybe this morning you realize I'm not grieved over the things of God. If we went to our kids this morning and we asked our kids, hey, what makes mom and dad mad? I wonder what they would say. When their football team loses. Maybe football season's around the corner. Oh, there's a coworker they work with. That's what makes mom and dad mad. What would your spouse say? Can I ask you this? Are you grieved over the things that are God's grieved over? Let's get mad about things God gets mad about. Hey, let's be concerned about things God's concerned about. Let's not get to the place where the affliction is all around us, and yet we don't mourn for the affliction of Joseph. Or maybe this morning, you've gotten to the place where you think, you know what? I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my own strength. Oh, are you at the doorstep of the judgment of God? You're going to find out, oh, and you're going to find out all eternity that God was the only way. Jesus says, I am the way. Can I ask you this morning, have you taken any of these steps on the journey to judgment? Here's a little fig-picking preacher. And he says, listen, judgment's coming. Prepare. Prepare. Heads are bowed.